Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Categorically Romance podcast. My name is Sarah. And I'm Bree. And joining us today, we're very excited. We have special guest author Cheryl Harper. Welcome to the podcast, ma'am. Tell us how you are and how 2021 is going for you. Thank you so much. I am so excited. And unfortunately, that means I will talk too fast and sound very Southern <laughs> at times. I so just as for translation, if that's necessary, um, but I am, I'm really, I'm so happy to be here. I'm so happy that we, that romance readers have this podcast um, because we, we like to know more about uh the, the authors that we love so much. So I'm yeah. super excited about it. And my 2021 has, has not been too bad. Um, I've been, I've been super lucky to have healthy family around me. Uh, and I've made a job change, which has worked out really well. And I'm able to work remotely. Uh, so my main coworker is my dog. And oh, the best coworker. Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> He sleeps. He works for Milk Bounds, so you know, <laughs> it's. I am feeling pretty, pretty happy with my life choices right now. Yeah, so. that's awesome. Yeah. So we will start it with a few icebreaker questions. Okay. Um, if you came with a warning label, what would it say? Okay, so this one is really hard for me. I I think um, my face is my warning label. Um, <laughs> Same, same. No, do you, do you have a face like that where people? Yes, they're deal? like, oh my gosh, do you not yes. like me? And I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, right. your face. And I'm like, oh, I'm so sorry. Right. <laughs> I, I am not even thinking about you when my yeah. face is doing that. So I, I think that is my, I think I do come with one and it's just my face. And, and 99% of the time, that's what's going on in my head. It has nothing to do with the world outside. <laughs> but there are times where, you know, you're in those meetings with people. Mm-hmm. And um, I have to be very careful because my face does. <laughs> Give it all away. Yes. It's, it's, uh, there's no reading between the lines if you can see my face <laughs> because my face is telling it. So I'm pretty sure that is my warning label. Yeah, that's hilarious. <laughs> when you're like, these people are all idiots and you right. think like, I haven't said it out loud and somebody catches you on it. They're like, you hated all of them, didn't right. you? Like, yes. <laughs> they're all stupid. Exactly. <laughs> And honestly, I think I'm trying. I think yeah. I'm trying to maintain, you know, <laughs> it, it just get, it comes through somehow. So. What was your first job? Uh, let's see, my, fir- my very first job, uh, I was 16 and I convinced my mother, who was very much against me getting a summer job, but I convinced her. Because I wanted to drive. I wanted a car so badly. And in my head, I was going to be making all of this money at the <laughs> summer job. You know, and it was going to be the answer. I uh, scooped ice cream at Baskin Robbins. Do you oh guys my know Baskin gosh. Robbins? Yes. 31 yes. flavors. Yes, mm-hmm. totally. I did that for, you know, two months. Made, you know, probably $42 total. But yeah. it was... It was <laughs> 
and all the free ice cream I could, you know, carry. There you go. I think that makes up for the lack of. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. I I still have a pretty bad uh, Baskin Robbins problem. So I guess it was formative at that age. I get so ticked off because I live pretty close to two like one of them's a little bit further of a drive but the one closest has a drive-through and it's connected to Dunkin Donuts and so Uh I'll go there because it's obviously closer but then I get so mad because they'll run they have like all the time oh we don't have cookie dough we ran out and I'm like that's like such a basic flavor (laughs) to have like how do you not stock this how dare you I get so angry <laughs> like Dunkin Donuts saying no I'm sorry we don't have any coffee right. <laughs> right. right what are you even good for how dare right. you let me right. down this <laughs> yeah sorry anyone that like works at Baskin Robbins I'm just saying like it's such a basic you should have like 10 tubs of cookie dough <laughs> that's right that's right yes I kind of have the same situation you do uh, if I go one direction I can go to Dunkin and donuts if I go in different direction there's a gas station we have all these gas stations that have Baskin mm-hmm. Robbins in them I don't understand it but I can go there and get you know pretty much anything but I have to get out of my car to do yeah. that <laughs> yeah. which is such an imposition right so, oh that was yes. my husband and I last night he says what do we want for dinner? I said, I don't know. He goes, somewhere where we don't have to get out of the car. <laughs> yes. That's the stipulation for dinner. Yes. <laughs> yes. This is how I make my plans, too. It's sort of like, okay, I just, I could get out of the car if I had to, so I can that's go right. to this place, you know? <laughs> Gosh, that's North American. <laughs> no, my right? husband's the same way. He will order. I'm like, we will argue. I'll be like, why are we going to pay like 20 extra bucks for like Uber Eats or whatever right? when we can just go get it? And he's like, I'm not getting out of the car. Yeah. I'm like, whatever, dude. Whatever. So. Yes. I-, I feel this. Where would you spend all of your time if you could? We have um, a kind of a, well, it's there's a place called hot springs. That's not too far from me. I'm in Arkansas and it's, uh, basically there's three, four lakes all together. Mm -hmm. And I just really wish, you know, I am pretty happy with everything else. I just wish I had a a, a water view of some sort, Mm -hmm. um, just because of the effect that it has on your mood. Yep. Um, so I would spend more time by the water if I, if I could in any way figure it out. Um, you know, I made my, my, I live where I live because it's easy to get to work and all those mm-hmm. things, but it, to relax, there's nothing that beats that sound of water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. We, um, we, like I lived in, in Memphis in high school and we would drive from Missouri to Memphis hall all the time. And we, the way that we would go, we would leave like the boot hill missouri like uh, the rolla era and we would come into like mammoth springs arkansas and there was this waterfall and it was like mm-hmm. all these beautiful lakes like i feel like arkansas is so underrated it's such a beautiful state <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're into you know that natural green mm-hmm. um the mount you know they the the mountains that are not and you know so intimidating but you know it's just there's a lot of diversity and Mm -hmm. but yeah it is entirely too far away from the ocean that is the that is the hardest part 
but um, lots of pretty lakes and and uh, lots of kind of hidden away places for hikes and things like that. So it mm-hmm. is it is really nice. I'm, I I when I travel, I love to travel, mm-hmm. and I really am drawn to those places that have the the mountains and the trees, and just because it reminds me of home, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do wish there was an ocean closer, but I, uh, I'm fortunate cause I am literally five minutes down the road from Lake Ontario and there's oh, a yeah. beautiful, beautiful park that I love to go to. And I just, they have benches yes. and you just sit on the bench and you're on this cliff overlooking the lake. And the brilliant yes. part about the great lakes is that you can't see across them. So yes. you could be sitting, you know, looking out at the Pacific or, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. Except for the fact it's bloody cold a lot of the time, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, small problem there. Yes, but you know, yeah. small, you know, don't go in the winter. But it's just yeah. it's beautiful, and it's it's so fortunate. But I know what you mean. I'm always drawn to the water. I always have been, and yeah. the same. We want to get a trailer up north from us. There's so many lakes up there. I'd love just to have a trailer. It's yeah. just relaxing. Yeah, yeah, and uh, my brain just slows yeah. down. It just gets yeah. quiet, you know, and. And that's so hard to come by when you're, you know, just every day, just in everyday uh-huh. life, that's hard to come by. So absolutely, yeah, I miss it. Oh, for sure. Uh, speaking of that, what's one thing you find yourself nostalgic for? Well, that's a good question. So speaking of water, the the reason probably Hot Springs has such a connection to me is I, I this Little Rock is kind of my, is my hometown. I, I grew up here and. Um, it's this hot springs place is about an hour away and that's where we would go on our family vacations. Mm-hmm. We didn't, we didn't load up the car and, and go cross country. Um, but we would take a, a week at the lake and, um, my parents were not campers. They were not hikers. They were hotel roomers. And I am the same way. I want a hotel room, but we would, <laughs> <laughs> load in I'm agreeing know. that's why I'm laughing <laughs> it's like uh, don't put me on the ground I'm not interested in that but put me next to the lake in a hotel room that has air conditioning and sure plumbing yes <laughs> and a restaurant attached and I and room service there. if possible <laughs> yes and so but you know I remember that and um I have an older brother, uh, and so it would be the four of us in a hotel room, which I'm sure my parents were just miserable. But, <laughs> you know, they had swimming pools and lakes and, yep. all, and all of those things. And uh, my mom was a reader, and um, I, that my mom and dad's best friends were married also, and they had kids, and they would also come that week. And they, and the, the, my mom's best friend was a reader. So we would just be at the pool with a stack of books mm. and man, I wish I could do that. You know, yeah. for so many reasons, I really, my mom's gone and I miss her desperately yep. every day, but that just being together and doing something that you love and not being rushed. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I, I miss that. And especially uh, summertime, you know, it's, yep. it's one of those things that kind of is just there, you know, kind of miss it. What's one thing you wish you had more time for? Uh, I would always say reading. I would love to spend more time reading. Um, I do, I, you know, it's, I do, I read something pretty much every day, but I always feel like there are all these wonderful books and I buy them. I have them. I mm-hmm. just can't quite get to them, you know, and so, <laughs> and 
I waste too much time with television. It's not a waste. I enjoy it, but I can't read books and watch television at the same time. That's, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. I can do other things with television that I can't do when I read, but, um, you know, I would just like to have more time with those books that I have stacked up. Yeah. There's just like not enough hours in the day, you know, and I think for us as readers, we feel guilty if it's like, I know every like holiday season, I'm like, okay, here goes my reading out the window because it's Hallmark Christmas movie time and I have to watch every (laughs) premiere that comes out, you know, but it's also like, girl, it's okay to take a break. It's okay to not read as fast. Like it's okay. You know, like you're writing books. So if you're done with writing for the day and you want to watch TV, I think you've earned watching TV. That's right. (laughs) And, you know, there are so many things that I enjoy. And so it's it's really hard. I think reading is probably what gets pushed to the end of the list just because some of the things like spending time with my friends, um, that's kind of a rare, you know, it's rarer mm-hmm. than a stack of books. So I, I prioritize that yeah. and and things like that. But yeah, I just I have so many books that I you know, I really want to get into. And um, what happens is I put them on hold at the library. They all come in at the same time. So then I've just got to uh, make choices, you know. And now the library Libby, like the Libby app gives us that option of deliver later. And I'm like, I know the library is like, girl, just read the book. You've delivered later like six times. (laughs) So finally, I just put it like 180 days, like send it to me in January. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, it's like, how many times can I delay this? Let me try one more time. Yeah. And then they'll go away, you know, and then I gotta start all over again. But, but yeah, I love the library. And mm-hmm. I read things that I would, my, I, I take chances on things through the library that I might not yeah. purchase, you know, and uh, it works out so well. But mm-hmm. honestly, every single book comes in at the same time. I don't know how that happens. But... It's it's a phenomenon. It needs to be studied more because I think it yes. happens to everybody. Yes. <laughs> you go through this rut where like nothing comes in and then you wake up one day and you're like really all seven of these books at once yeah yeah (laughs) we love romance origin stories so tell us how you became a romance reader I've been thinking about this you know I listened to uh I listened to Anna Stewart's podcast and then I listened to Amy's before that and I've kind of been trying to figure out how did that happen and it's kind of fuzzy to me but you know, when I was a little girl, like I said, my mom was a reader. And when I was a little girl, I remember starting to read Little House on the Prairie books. Mm-hmm. And the show, the television show was on as well. And um, I fell in love with so hard. My very first crush was Almanza Wilder. <laughs> and that's where I really, you know, I love those stories so much when um, she got older and she's married and dealing with all those things. And I was a huge reader and my mom would take me to the library and we would come out with stacks of books, you know, and went through those and little women. And there was, there's a uh, inspirational series, uh, when calls the heart and love comes softly, those books mm-hmm. And there's always this romance element to those stories and they turn out, they have happy endings. 
and I that's what I wanted you know that's what I wanted and um huge reader and my mom would take me to this used bookstore I think I think there's a used bookstore in a lot of writers (laughs) uh, (laughs) stories too because it's like this place where you can feed your habit and you can find all of these amazing stories and there's nothing stopping you really, you know? And so my mom would just, she would basically drop me off at this used bookstore. I couldn't drive. So, you know, young teenage, uh, and she would drop me off and I would just come out with stacks of books. And I'm, I know that's when I started. I loved, um, love swept mm-hmm. and silhouette. I loved those two category. I just, they were my favorites, you know, on a Saturday, I would read three or, you know, it would just be this, that instant mood lift and the, the desire to keep that feeling, you know, so I would yeah. finish one book and pick up another one. Yeah. And, um, mm-hmm. you know, since then, and I've, I've, I've always loved reading, but there's always been that romance element to it and that positive feeling that comes mm-hmm. from it. So I've always loved romance. I always will, you know, I, I may read other things, but I want, I really want even those other things to have a romance element. If I'm reading a mystery, the kind yeah. of mystery I like has a romance mm-hmm. element. So, yeah. mm-hmm. you know, I think my mom started it all. She was a romance reader, but, and I can't, she didn't read categories, but in really all I can remember is Fern Michaels books and yes, you know, um, those kind of things, but, um, and she never really, you know, some people really look down on romance, especially for, for, uh, educational purposes, basically, you know, improvement of your mind or whatever, but my mom never, ever hesitated about romance and, um, it was, it was easy to fall into and I loved it. So I love that. That's awesome. Has writing always been a passion of yours? I've always, been a writer uh you know I, I've I think um I think because I loved books and I loved words uh I've always been a writer I and I I was when I, I, I never asked for extra credit in school but that's the type of student that I was you know I didn't remind the teacher that they didn't give us any homework because I knew that we I would be you know beaten up but that's the kind of student that I was so I would go over the top sometimes and I can remember uh certain assignments like um uh remember we I had to do a report on Spain um in junior high and I found travel books the section of travel books at the library and just absolutely fell in love and instead of the basic report that the teacher asked for, I wrote it as a travel guide. So oh, I have always um, so cool. made it extra. I, yeah. mm-hmm. in college, I had to do a, we had to do a report on moving a family from the East coast to Arkansas. It was Arkansas history class. And I wrote it as a diary. And I feel like that the, the male professor might not have really anticipated that there would be a love story in this report that came in, but I hope he enjoyed it. So, yeah. you know, I think it was just something there in me, you know. Mm-hmm. 
That is so cool. Um, okay, so at what point in your life did you realize you wanted to pursue writing professionally? I I was trying to remember exactly what year it was, but I think it was uh, 2011. I, you know, I was an English major. I always had my nose in a book. I was a really good student. And people would tell me, oh, you should be a writer. And to me, writers were like rock stars. Mm -hmm. You know, you could want to be a writer, but not very many people would actually get to be a writer. Right. And so I never really thought that that was something that I could do. But I I think it was 2011, I decided that I was going to get serious about trying Um, I wasn't going to take that. I wasn't going to eliminate myself without giving it a shot, you know? And um, so I started joining local writing groups and was, you know, so impressed and so excited to find that there were other people trying this. You know, I could, I could sit next to someone else who thought, Hey, I'm going to be a writer. And maybe it wasn't as rare as becoming a rock star, you know? And um, so that's, I think that, and it was a new year's uh, resolution. Okay. I, I, you know, I, I went through this phase where I said, I'm not going to do new year's resolutions, like lose 15 pounds or, you know, cause I'm never going to do that. And, you know, I'm going to exercise more cause I'm never going to do that. Uh, so it was, I, I went through this phase where I would do, um, I'm going to buy more shoes this year, mm-hmm. or I'm going to buy more jewelry this year, or, mm-hmm. you know, that, that year it was, I'm actually, I'm going to try writing more. Mm-hmm. And I had a blog and all those things. And I don't know, it was just some, a switch flipped. And I thought, you know, I'm going to try this and just see what could happen. And the more that I investigated and found more people normal people, just Mm -hmm. normal people who were trying this, I thought, well, you know, maybe I can do this Yeah, and got serious about it. You said this was like 2011, right? Yes, I think so. Yeah. What did romance look like at the time when you were like, okay, I want to write this was contemporary big. I mean, we talk about what Kindle and like Kindle started when like after, was it before 50 shades or after around the time of 50 shades? Yeah. So was, was ebooks like, was this like the, the big ebook boom happening? Like what world were you entering into when you decided? Mm-hmm. I think that's it. Exactly. I think, you know, in the early days of ebooks um, where we had Kindles and um, it, before the indie publishing exploded, uh, I love I love ebooks. I love them. I love that they're instant. You can have them immediately. Mm-hmm. They don't make the stack that, that's going to kill you beside your bed. You know, I, I love <laughs> ebooks. But when indie publishing just became this huge possibility, I think that's where I realized that there there is a, that this can be done. I, as I recall. Uh, there was, I think Paranormal was still doing pretty well. Uh, erotic Romance was really big. I don't know. I don't, I think it was before Fifty Shades, but Fifty Shades was coming. You know, it was, it might've been Twilight right in there. Um, 
but books were really were selling but you know you were seeing all of these indies that didn't have traditional publishing contracts coming through that were mm-hmm. making this work and they yeah. were doing it you know they were becoming rock stars with it mm-hmm. so i think that that explosion of indie publishing is where it really you know it really became this real possibility not just a if i get lucky this might happen yeah. but something that could really happen for me i had written a book before all of that and did it the the old fashioned way where you sent in printed copies to Harlequin because I loved, um, and it was a desire. I remember that and mailed in the number of copies and paid the, you know, and went to the library to look up, you know, in the olden days when we had to actually go to the library and look up <laughs> the, the address, you know, and everything and never got a response. So it's probably propping up a table somewhere in, uh, you know, that, in the slush pile. But so I had done that then and kind of had my thoughts confirmed that only rock stars can actually manage this. But then that indie publishing where it seemed like all you had to do was write a good book. Yeah. You know, that really seemed like, let's go after this now. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. In 2013, you published stuck on you book one in your rock and roller hotel series with Avon books. And also had a story called Love Me Tender and a Valentine's Day anthology called Kiss Me. Can you share with us what your journey to becoming published was like? Yeah, so I, when I decided to get serious about writing more, I started looking for local writing groups. And um, there, there really weren't a lot of choices, but there were some choices. And one was an RWA group, a Romance Writers Group. And I attended the, a couple of meetings there, but they were so heavily kind of, it was, there was a lot of erotic romance conversation and um, writers there, which I, I, that's great, but it just really felt like I was in the wrong, I was on the wrong path with them. But I joined RWA and this, the first uh, conference that I was going to go to was in Nashville, uh, which was really close to me and I could drive, but it was the year that Nashville flooded um, oh. and they had to move it to Orlando. And I had to really decide, am I going to go? Am I going? Anyway, I decided to go. And um, the, the, when I got connected to RWA, I started to see things, opportunities, for, especially for unpublished writers. And I was doing the thing where you follow everybody on social media and editors, uh, agents, all that kind of thing. And Avon did an open call, basically. They were looking for Valentine's Day novellas. And it was open to anybody. You didn't need an agent. They were doing it for their impulse Avon impulse line which was you know just starting right about then when all of the the big publishers started doing their uh, digital first lines and so it was open to anybody I wrote that novella that's in kiss me and 
they chose my story along with Cody's and Jacqueline's and put us together. And then, you know, it was so funny because I was so unready. I was so unready that, but they, they did this and then they turned back to me and said, do you have any more stories? Oh my God. (laughs) And I was like, no, I do not, (laughs) but I will, I will, I will have more. So that um, novella is set at that. And, you know, I really in, if I could write anything and become successful, romantic comedy is what I love. I want any book I read, I want it to be funny. And, but at the time, at that time, romantic comedy was nothing. No one was, you know, was really publishing it, but that novella was kind of, kind of funny. It was set at this uh, quirky hotel in Memphis um, because Memphis is close to home and I sort of know Memphis a little bit. And, um, it was one of those, um, snowed in, there's only one bed, mm-hmm. uh, kind of things. And, um, so I just wrote what I thought was funny. I wasn't really thinking long-term or what would happen next. And then they said, do you have any more stories? And so <laughs> then I had to come up with some. <laughs> That's and, when things get real. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, Oh, oh. <laughs> so yeah, let me do this. Um, so I think I took a weekend and and came up with the the three stories that came out that were part of that series. Just so they had to be set at that hotel. Something had to tie them all together. And I basically just went for it. You know, if I if I thought, hey, this would be funny, I put it in, and I had the best time writing those just because I felt like it was, it was me. It was what I wanted to do, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, Avon was really great for us, for, for the, they did, um, Cody also did some with them and they were really great about uh, publicizing them and pushing them. And the next RWA, they took, they brought us and we did book signings and as a debut author who, I mean, literally did not know how unprepared I was for all of this. It was the most exciting thing to happen to me. You know, I was sitting in a room with authors that I adore and they were signing books and I was signing books and it was just, it was amazing. Unfortunately, the books just didn't sell all that well. And, um, and now I could, I, I, the next proposal didn't work for them. So I haven't really uh, come up with a great fit for them. But that that first experience was amazing. And Chelsea Emelhans was my editor there. And working with her was great. You know, the thing about writing is you think you know what you're doing with the first book. And then you meet an editor mm-hmm. who makes you so much better. Mm-hmm. And every process that you go through, you get so, you get it's just learning by doing. And when you have a good editor, it's amazing. I mean, can we just talk for a minute about the fact that you started with a novella, mm-hmm. which I i mean, Sarah and I love novellas, mm-hmm. but they look intimidating as heck to write. Yes. You know, because you hear so many people say like, oh, short stories aren't my thing. I don't feel like I get uh-huh. enough, you know, but then like, 
I, I tell people like, well, you need to try romance novellas because romance authors are able to work magic with, mm -hmm. you know, less than 150 pages, sometimes less than 100 pages. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, how did you do that the first time? I mean, your first published work was a novella. Yeah. <laughs> and that's like, that's something that you see like seasoned authors haven't even, mm -hmm. you know, they haven't done. So I think you, I think part of the process, the whole process is so much easier when you don't know what you don't know. Um, okay. <laughs> and uh, they say this many words and you say, okay, I can write that many words. Mm -hmm. And you have no, I had no clue really, you know, the, the, you know, I've, I have really worked on understanding conflict and, and motivation and all of those things. But at that point, I just wanted to tell a funny story mm -hmm. and um, have a romance piece of it. And it just, I think what happens is I have read for so long and so many, and there is that it's not osmosis, but the, the, you know, the thing that you know that you didn't set out to learn, but it's there mm -hmm. and that novellas, they just have a rhythm that's different than a 50,000 word or a 70,000 word. There's just kind of a rhythm. And I think I could, you know, I think I can, I don't know. It's like, it's like magic, I guess. I don't know. I can just, you know, when I, the first time I set out to write, uh, Heart, the heartwarming, which is 70,000 words, which was the longest thing I had written in, I was really nervous because I thought, do I, do, do I have that much story? And I think mm -hmm. that there is just this rhythm that I've learned from reading so much that helps me. Now I do run into things and I write short is my problem. So I'm not cutting. I'm trying to figure out what I skipped over because I do a lot of, um, I'll do a lot of the action first because that's the part I'm most nervous about. So I'll have people doing things and you don't know if they're inside, outside, you know, are they in a car? You know, where, what are these people doing this? Because I have just focused on what they're doing and what they're saying to each other. And I have to go back and say, Oh, this is how I imagined that. Mm -hmm. yeah. You know? So I have to go back and flesh things out. But um, I, I don't know. I think there's just a rhythm that, I don't know if I could learn it. I just think it's there from, from reading for so long that I can kind of, that I had that I hear it when I sit down and know that I need 25,000 words. Mm -hmm. So with the rock and roll hotel series, I mean, have you ever, would it be possible? Cause it sounds like it is a series that if you were to put out and push now the way, like the stuff that we're getting now, it feels like it would fit. Mm -hmm. So, mm -hmm. Have you thought about maybe like getting the rights back and like repackaging and republishing it? I mean, I have to say the there's one of the covers has like a Mississippi bloodhound is what it looks like. And I'm like, that's like my dream dog. <laughs> <laughs> I want one of those so bad. So, okay. So that's the problem because I love those covers so much mm. and I would have to, I'd really, you know, everything I've self-published I've done myself and, Okay, so it sort of shows, but but you know I love those covers so much. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I have thought about it, and the thing about it is they they do sell. They just don't. 
I'm not sure what the um, limit is. I could probably get them back, but I just hadn't really thought. And I'm terrible at promotion. I'll tell you that. And so I just don't know if I could do any better than what they're doing with it. Yeah. But I love those books. I, I, I got so excited because um, when I'm feeling low, sometimes I'll go to my library and see if I have, if they, if they have any of my books Aww. and they had the, um, the last one, the, um, Santa bring my baby back, which was a Christmas mm-hmm. and, um, run kind of a runaway bride thing. And they had it and I checked it out and I thought, okay, girl, are you really going to read this? Are you prepared <laughs> for this? <laughs> <laughs> and I did, and I really still enjoyed it. So I, you know, that makes me happy because, yeah. you know, it, it makes me, I'm nervous to go back, mm-hmm. you know, because I really do feel like every book I sit down and I don't know how to write. And mm-hmm. then I get the book done and then I go to the editor and the editor helps me and it's so much better. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm learning, but you know, it feels like I start all over at the beginning every time, but I was really nervous to read that book, but it, it, I felt, I, I felt, I still felt proud of it. So it was a yeah. good experience, but yeah, I really love them. And I love dogs and I would put a dog, I would put a dog on every cover, of every book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I saw that dog on the book, I mean, it was immediately I was in love. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the only time I have ever successfully gotten a cover change was on the, the, I think it was the first one, the dog sitting there and the dog is a, is a female dog in the um, books. Her name is Misty and she wears bows on her ears. I love her. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember the dog more than the stories. I'll tell you that too. But um, <laughs> the dog on the cover was very obviously not a female. Ah. So I had to go back and say, could you maybe, maybe take this body part away? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is there any kind of, so they fixed that for me. So. <laughs> I was really glad about that, but, but yeah. In 2014, you indie published a novella, Miss Chance. Can you tell us how this story came to be and what inspired the choice to self-publish it? Yeah. And it was actually the very first thing that I, okay, maybe not the first thing. When I decided to get serious about writing, I started, I joined these local groups and Arkansas has a, in the summertime or springtime, they had a conference called the Arkansas Writers Conference. And they had a lot of contests, lots of contests that were judged and not very many for fiction writers, unfortunately, but it was a lot of poetry and a lot of memoir and essays, that kind of thing. And I started entering these contests and I won, you know, quite a few. And I, that was this kind of shot in the arm, this boost that, yeah, you, you know, you are a good writer, even if you're writing about growing up in Little Rock, you know, whatever. Um, So it was, that was a boost. And I joined another writer's group and they were doing um, novellas, kind of short stories and I started Miss Chance for that contest, and it won. And uh, about that same time, Avon did another contest for novellas that the winner would be published in the back of a Debbie Maycumber 
re-release. Oh wow! Oh my gosh! Yeah. So this yeah. was before this was before the the Valentine. This was before I was published. Okay. And um, so I fleshed it out and I entered it, and I was one of the three finalists. And I nearly died. I was so <laughs> excited. I had a I had a friend who was a right, you know, going with me to these groups. And I had gone to the dentist that day. I don't know. It was raining cats and dogs. And I was in the car and I was checking my messages. And they had to leave me a message to tell me that I was a finalist because I was at the dentist. <laughs> and I, I called her on the phone and I'm just screaming, uh, you know, and she's like, what's happening? What's wrong? You know, thinking that I was having some emergency and I, yes, I'm a finalist. I'm a finalist. I was so excited. And I think they announced the winner the next day. And of course I, I, I was the second place. Okay. Okay. And so I, you know, I was, it was kind of bittersweet, you know, mm-hmm. because so much, if I, I thought that was my opportunity. I thought that I had missed my opportunity to actually make this happen because I didn't win. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I kept, you know, kept going and, and, and got the, got the, uh, the novella, pub, the Valentine's novella published. And, you know, then it was sort of like, okay, well, they thought this was good enough to be a finalist. Maybe I'll try this mm-hmm. indie publishing thing. And so that's how it started. I love the story. It's, um, it's kind of a short story, uh, small town, sweet romance. And, um, it every every book I've written, there is either a piece of, of my personality or there is something that has actually happened to me that it would be funny if it happened to somebody else. So <laughs> I that's how that story started. And I've always loved it because it um, starts with a, a paint spill. And that didn't happen to me. It happened to a friend, but um, it was hilarious. So I, I really love that story and I wanted it to do something. You know, yeah. I wanted it out there. So. I mean, that's still a pretty big deal. I mean, mm-hmm. I just have to say. And you don't, I feel like you don't see contests like that. No. Like at the moment. Right. Debbie Maycomber, the back of a Debbie Maycomber book? Oh I mean, come God. on. Can I would write a story, imagine? okay? Yeah. Yes. <laughs> I have no idea what I'm doing. Yes. Can you even imagine? I don't know. They would have had to tranquilize me for days <laughs> if I had done that because. Oh, I was so excited about just being just actual editors reading it and saying, yeah, this is good. Yeah. You know, yeah. I was just over the moon. Yeah. And, um, you know, and I, I, I am kind of an all or nothing thing, you know, a person I think, oh, okay, I didn't make it. So now I'll never make it. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it was kind of that mixture, but man, I was so excited. Yeah. Super excited about it. So you also published your first Harlequin heartwarming romance in 2014. So it was A Minute on the Lips, which is actually one of the earlier titles in the line. It's like book 34, which I'm like, that is incredible. What was your journey to becoming published with Harlequin like? So I can't really state enough how much RWA did for me in the early days. Mm -hmm. especially um, I, that very first conference that I went to, 
it was hot. It was so hot. It was Orlando. It was miserably hot. And I go into the lunchroom to the kind of restaurant in the hotel to eat. And there is Jane Ann Krentz and uh, Christina Dodd. They're sitting there eating lunch. And I, I probably could have died right there too, because you know <laughs> they're some of my very favorites. They're just and casually eating lunch. They and- eat yeah. lunch too? Right. right. <laughs> they have time for if that? I, yeah. if, I, if I hadn't been sweat from head to toe, there's no telling what I might have done. As it was, I just, you know, ate my sandwich and, and stared at them out of the corner of my eye, you know, like, what are they going to do? What are they going to do? And, um, but yeah, so, but so even if I hadn't, even when I wasn't publishing, I was going back to RWA because it was that shot, Mm -hmm. that, that boost of energy and belief that this can happen for, 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 you can be in the room with these people. And so one of those informational sessions that I went to was um, Harlequin talking about launching this new line of sweet romance called heartwarming. And I listened to, you know, listened to them. And at the time, sweet romance really wasn't a, you know, uh, there wasn't a lot out there. And at the time I thought, well, I don't know how to write that. I don't read that. So I don't know how to write it, but I had done a national novel writing month, NaNoWriMo Mm -hmm. somewhere maybe the year before. And I had written a mystery because um, that's the other thing I like to read. Not, not uh, forensics and all that kind of stuff, but more cozy. And uh, it was a small town and it was a sheriff and a newspaper editor and the sheriff was female and the newspaper editor was male. And like I said, every story, I want to have a romance piece to it. So it was a mystery with a romance element and it was the right word count for heartwarming. Mm -hmm. So I thought, submit it. They were open to, you know, I don't have an agent. I have not, I've, have not been successful in getting an agent in the times that I've tried. So I was really hope, waiting for open submissions and, and Harlequin heartwarming was having those open uh, submissions. So I sent it in and got very super amazingly lucky. And Dana Grimaldi, who I think you guys have talked to, mm-hmm. um, picked it out, picked it up. Shout and, out to Dana. <laughs> yes. Love Dana. And um, I forgot how many rounds of revise and resubmit we went through, at least three. So she went above and beyond the call for me. But, you know, she would give me notes and say, the mystery needs to be less important. The romance needs to be more important. Mm -hmm. This is a romance line. Perfect sense. But I'm still a... I'm still learning this writing thing. And so I would revise the whole thing and send it back to her and she would read the thing again and send me more notes. And she didn't give up on me. And so that was, we made it. That was the first book. And um, I was only slightly more caught off guard at the idea that I was going to need another book behind (laughs) that one (laughs) than I was the first time. Um, so I had to I had to do some scrambling to get ready uh, to to propose another book, but I worked with Dana for um, a few books there, and and she was all that's who she was was very patient and very uh, thoughtful about mm-hmm. her feedback, and 
um, you know, which is really helpful to me, especially learning as I, as I went, you know, and, um, and that was, um, a small town. Uh, I had kind of moved to a small town for a little while. And so fish out of water stories are very familiar. I love them. And so, um, it was easy to make the next book kind of a fish out of water, um, Mm -hmm. romance. So it was a little easier to come up with another pitch, Mm-hmm. the second time it happened. So. Mm-hmm. so you fell into writing for the heartwarming line. That wasn't necessarily your intention, but now that you clearly do write a lot of them, what is it about that line that you really enjoy writing for? It, I, there's a, there's a few things. I, I think the stories themselves feel very natural to me. They are very much community and mm-hmm. family And I think it's actually how people fall in love, you know, how they find their people, how they fall in love. So I like that. And I like being able to tell a longer, uh, it's not necessarily a longer story, but it is a deeper story maybe. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And it, it, it's not necessarily just the romance relationship that you see growth in. You can see, how the the main characters deal with parents or children or or you know those kind of things you get this full picture of of who they are really i really like to have that room to do that and honestly the experience of working with harlequin is awesome mm-hmm. i i really like the it it works for me it works for me to say here's a story i want to tell and then tell it, they help me make it better. And then they do the rest. Mm-hmm. They, they figure out where it goes and they sell it and, and that kind of thing. And the, the authors that write for heartwarming are very, they, they've made their own group as well. And I enjoy being a part of that. It's, you know, it's just a, the whole experience is really good. I do think I, and I have submitted other ideas for other lines because I do think that I have a lot of other stories that I like to tell and, mm-hmm. and sometimes I go off <laughs> uh, and write those and then don't know what to do with them. So um, the thing, it's nice to be able to come back to heartwarming because I understand the, the story that goes there. The, yeah. and, and it's not always small town. The one I, the one I'm working on now is in Miami, but there is this community feeling yeah. mm-hmm. to everyone. And um so it's really comfortable and I enjoy that. So we have to ask about your paranormal romance. Okay. <laughs> Natural Greek. segue, as right. I mentioned. Right? <laughs> Greek gods bearing gifts, yes. <laughs> which published in 2015, and it involves a thief, a cop, and a Greek god's pawn shop. I was like, I love the show Pawn, <laughs> pawn Stars. So. Yes. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yes. so please share with us where the idea for this story came from. Okay. Well, okay. So see, this, this is what happens. <laughs> Sometimes the stories that come in my, in my, you know, my off guard moments do not fit heartwarming. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, right. They do not fit anywhere. Sometimes this weekend I woke up and I had this, I, I was so excited about this idea. I said, nobody's doing this. I'm really excited. And I looked and I thought the reason no one is doing this is because this is 
not a good idea. Put it down. Walk away from it. <laughs> oh, no. But heartwarming, you know, we kind of have some restrictions. Like, uh, you know, we can't um, use curse words, no sex mm-hmm. on the page, that kind of thing. And I, in my natural life, am a curse curse worder. I do them. I use them. I Is believe they... Trailer? <laughs> yeah, I I believe they're the seasoning for our normal conversation. There you go. <laughs> um, and you know, sex and uh, all all of these things. I I it's like I want to write a story. I want to write a story with all the stuff in it. So, um, the Greek gods. I I really enjoy the TV show Leverage. Do you guys know Leverage? Mm-hmm. They're um, so they're thieves or hackers there's a grifter a hacker a hitter anyway they build this team and they they're robin hood basically they steal from the rich and and give to the poor kind of thing and i also love sci-fi shows so warehouse 13 which um i don't really know where these artifacts get their powers from but they they do certain things so my idea for this greek gods thing was leverage meets warehouse 13 but they're greek gods so they're um (laughs) humans that have greek gods in their lineage kind of like um, percy jackson kind of thing and um they're centered around this kind of it's around hollywood there's a, a kind of a shopping area and there's a pawn shop that um holds down one end of it and it's the front of it is a rundown, ugly pawn shop, but behind it is a warehouse of these Greek god, these artifacts that have been built by Greek gods, so they have different abilities, mm-hmm. kind of thing. And so it's being run by the thief is the heroine, and there's a cop who is investigating her all the time, and they have to us kind of um save her brother who gets into trouble he's a troublemaker if the rock and roller hotel series was me doing whatever i wanted to do that was funny Mm -hmm. the greek god series is me doing whatever i wanted to do that was funny and also weird (laughs) (laughs) i I had a really good time with it i wrote another one that i sent to an editor who (laughs) you know, an editor that I hired and she absolutely did not love it. (laughs) So I put it away. At some point, I'm going to figure out the right mixture, Mm -hmm. which is probably heartwarming and something else that might keep the weirdness under control. But I really (laughs) enjoy weird stories too. You know, I really enjoy uh, paranormal Mm -hmm. things, not super dark or grim, but I really enjoy um, vampires that are also funny, you know, yeah. that kind of thing. So, uh, it was kind of one of those things. I just, I had a good time. I really enjoyed it. Yeah. So, <laughs> yeah. So winner takes all book one in your lucky number series, uh, under the Harlequin heartwarming line was published in 2015. Where did the inspiration for this series come from? When I'm working on proposals for Harlequin, my idea is always what's, how can I do this differently? Mm-hmm. Uh, Small towns are wonderful, but I I get to the point where it's, I've done the small town bakery, I've done the small town diner, I've done the small town library. Where else do I put these people? 
but series needs something to tie them together. Yeah. I'm not a hundred percent sure where the idea to make them lottery winners comes from, but I knew I wanted to do friends. So these are okay. three friends who buy a lottery ticket and it wins. And so they have to determine what they want. They have, they have, before they know they're winners, they've said what they're going to do when they win. The first heroine wants to travel. She's never traveled. And so she wants to travel, but she doesn't really know where. And they sort of dare her to pick a place. And so they, she puts a blindfold on and throws a, throws a dart and it lands where this doctor that she's had a crush on is in Peru, which would not be anyone, probably most people's, they're going to go to Paris or they're going to go to London or, but Peru is where her dart landed. So um, it's kind of that idea of what would you, if you had all the money in the world, what would you do with And some people are going to live the lives they've dreamed of. Some people are going to be super generous and give it all away. And, uh, you know, what does that look like? And three different women, three very different backgrounds. It looked really different for them. And then there's kind of a mean girl who lives in this small town who works her way in. And she's probably my favorite. I like mean (laughs) girls that are, that are, uh, rehabilitated. So So your next series, the Otter Lake Ranger Station. I love this. I love all the covers of this (laughs) series and all the stories. So it kicks off with Smoky Mountain Sweethearts, which is a romance between widow Avery and Tennessee firefighter Sam. Avery is the widow. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about the Otter Lake Ranger Station series and how Sam and Avery's romance came to you theirs is like super sweet because they like it's been a while but i know that they like grew up with each other so it's kind of second chances anyway so can you talk a little bit about the series as a whole and them specifically how they came to you trying to come up with a unique series is probably the biggest challenge and i wanted to do something romance heroes are quite often police, fire, yeah. first responders, doctors, those kind of things. That's that's pretty common. So I wanted to do something with that, but twist it a little bit. And mm-hmm. so Sam is a, a fire, a uh, forest yep. firefighter. And yeah. um, he works in the uh, National Park in the Smokies. I, I think at the time that was happening, we were, have, we were probably having it was probably wildfire season out on the West coast. And they were talking about those hot shots that jump into these fires, you know, and, and battle these huge blazes. And so I knew that I wanted, you know, so that's kind of an, an interesting take on a hero. And then, so I, it kind of goes from there to, okay, what kind of heroine is going to have a difficult, a difficult time with that kind of hero. I don't, you know, so there's always a piece of me in every character, and I love the Smokies, the Smoky Mountains. It's, you know, it's beautiful. It was before the fires there, but I was writing this series when they they had fire there. Um, I knew I wanted to do Park Rangers because that's kind of an interesting 
take on law enforcement kind of thing. I was working, I worked at a state park here in Arkansas for a little bit and learned about more about how they're law enforcement and, and what they actually do and, and that kind of thing. So what happens to me when I'm planning these is I can see parts of stories. Something funny happened to me that'll go in this book, or I heard this conversation. I was a receptionist. And so I remember sitting there answering the phone and someone came out of a meeting and he's talking on his phone and he's talking to his son about cleaning his room. And, um, and the son must have said something about a sister who's not doing her job. Anyway, I'm such a total eavesdropper. Do not say anything <laughs> top secret around me because I'm listening. But, you know, and the dad was walking him through this and it was such a loving conversation. It's not the kind of conversation you hear a lot with dads and sons, yeah. you know, on TV or it was really this not, you know, remember how she sometimes tricks you into, you know, it was kind of stuff like that. And then the phone call was over and he said, I love you, son. And he hung up and I just thought, oh my gosh, <laughs> romance, romance hero. hero. <laughs> right. And so he's in, he's one of the heroes in that series. And, um, you know, it's just, it's kind of like it all gels. It kind of comes together. I think, okay, I need a unique spot. Where can I have four strangers? Well, I've been to Gatlinburg and Pigeon Forge a few times. I love that area. I'm going to, I'm going to set it there. I'm going to make it, make up a new place because mm -hmm. I, I need certain things to happen. I need firefighters there. I need ambulances. I need, you know, so I need all of these things to happen. So I'm going to make it up, but it's, that's where it's going to be. And uh, park rangers are super interesting. So I'm going to work with them. And then I start to think, okay, Who's going to play off of these? Who's going to play off of this character really well? Um, in that series, one of the one of the heroines is the park's PR person, and she's slick and she's professional, and I could see her so clearly. So then it was trying to find what kind of hero is going to make her better. What kind of where, where are they going to where are they going to improve each other? you know, that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So um, I've never in my life been a plotter. I don't plot very well, but coming up with series for Harlequin is good for me to really think things through. How does, how does yeah. this, how do I maintain this over a series? Yeah. It's hard, but mm -hmm. it's, it's also really good to kind of get more depth and more of that community feeling and, and those because they're they're they stand alone. You could read them without the others, but there's so much more to them when you read the the series itself. So. Yeah, I was like, man, I have these on ebook, and I was just reminded when we were prepping for this episode, I was like, I need to get these on physical, <laughs> like physical <laughs> copies of these. <laughs> I, I just, it's so different. I love like outdoorsy mm -hmm. type stories, uh -huh. and I was like, yeah, it's so different and it's such a fresh perspective because you do see a lot of like law enforcement firefighter yeah. but like this is such a different capacity and I think one that's a little bit underrepresented definitely falls under the radar the yeah. yeah yeah so yeah I loved I loved the whole setup and and it's great to be able to create your own world because you know if you can't find it then you can just make it yep. you know yeah, yeah. and 
okay, so I can't find a place that has a fire department and a lake and a this. Well, I'll just make it. It'll be fine. Right. Um, you know, do a lot of research so it doesn't sound like it's impossible, you know? Yeah. And um, yeah, but yeah, I, I really enjoyed that series because of that um, setting a lot. Yeah. Your current series is the Veterans Road series, which has its next release in November for Holiday Reunion. Is there anything you can share with us about the book? Um, yeah, I, it's so the Veterans Road books are set. They are tied together by the place these some of the characters live. And it's called uh, Concord Court, which is kind of a bridge community for mm-hmm. uh, mil- people who are leaving military service. So they're retiring or they're wounded or they're ju- they're just leaving and they need a place to go to have time to find a job or go back to school, that kind of thing. And um, so I had read a story about a place in, I think it was outside of New Orleans that's set up this way so that veterans could come in and they can, they can stay there while they're, they're figuring out the sec- the new career, the second part of their career. They set in Miami. So in every book, there is a veteran. And um, I tried to do all different services. I, I think I focused more on Air Force. That's, that's a, I know a little bit more about Air Force life than I do others. But um, the holiday book is a marriage in trouble mm-hmm. book um, because... Uh, you know, I don't, I don't see a lot of those. And I, I've, I've written so many friends to lovers and enemies to lovers. Sometimes I try to think, okay, what have you not done? And um, mm-hmm. I do, I like to read Marriage and Trouble in romance because I know it's all going to work out. And uh, I yeah. believe that it, it can work out. So the heroine is ready to have to divorce. They've been separated for a while. She's living in this uh, as she's in Miami, she's teaching, she's got her life. Her second life is on, on the road. She just has this husband that she married in a hurry because that also happens a lot when people are deployed and they're going to be split up. They, they sometimes marry quickly and then they have to learn how to live together. And that's what's happened to them. And, but they just, they just haven't. Her husband got a job in Atlanta. He's working police uh, SWAT there, and she has no interest in living with that danger anymore. And they've been apart for a while, so she's ready for a divorce. But he's not—he's not ready to call it quits. So he manages to talk her into a trip together on the holiday. It's Christmas, mm-hmm. and um, they go to Key West. Mm. So I, it's a I was wondering, I was like, it's got like a beach I love cover. That cover of but... it. It's gorgeous. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's different. It's kind of, and that's, and that's where I get hung up. It's like, I love uh, Snowden cabins, mm-hmm. but there, there are a lot of those. So I was like, okay, well I'm in Miami. Is it time to do a Christmas book? <laughs> I don't yeah. know. Let's see. You know, in <laughs> Florida, they do everything differently. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was kind of like, uh, I need enough Christmas that it is a holiday book. Yeah. But I, I can also do other things. You know, I can do, I can do beach things and it's, it's uh, a little different, but familiar, you know? Yeah. And so they do a lot of 
family things, family holiday things. And they take an, a nephew to an amusement park that is Santa themed. Oh, okay. And uh, then they go to Key West and, and they do, there's an amusement. Then there is actually this kind of place where you can go and do slides out in the middle of the ocean. Sorry, I left that part out. In the middle, in the middle of the ocean, where you can slide in big, big, huge inflatable slides and repelling. Uh, yes, yeah, yeah. But you know, anyway, it's real fun. Yeah, it is real fun. You can snorkel. You can, um, yeah. They have ropes. You can climb. You know, it's kind of a a course that you can do mm-hmm. out in the middle of the ocean. So they do that. You know, so there's they're very adventure driven. So I can get holiday but I can also get this little bit of a twist on it yeah and I we love the marriage in trouble and I just have to say like I'm so excited for this book because as somebody that was in the air force I saw that so much I had so many troops that were like oh I'm getting married and I'm like you guys just met and like you're getting married because you're leaving for six Mm -hmm. months like You know, and it's like, okay, now you have to get to know each other apart and then come back together and like live. You've like, you never even have lived together. You know, Mm -hmm. you just, you root for them and they just really believe that they're doing the right thing. And it's, you're, you're just like, I hope this works out. Like, please don't let this person get their heart broken. And, you know, like marriage is really where the work starts. Like, yeah, happy ever after we got together, but now it's time to put in the work and it is hard. And I think that that is, so I, you know, I, there, as a civilian who's never been deployed, never had to deal with coming home and, you know, the more research I did and the more things that I never knew that I didn't know about how hard it is to make this adjustment Mm -hmm. to, even even someone that you've been married to for you know forever you've been you've been out of out of step and out of that rhythm for however long you're deployed and then you come home and mm-hmm. feel out of place and but desperate to be in place you know and it's just i don't know it was really it's been an amazing opportunity to do a lot of talking to people and research about these, these challenges, the, you know, one, I, one, so that, that the marriage in trouble is one, I do enjoy it because I believe that it's going to work out. I love that. I yeah. love to, to root for people. And what was important to me was that neither one was a bad person. You know, it was yeah. just life was a problem and learning to blend those two things together without any support is tough. It's really tough because you have bills and you have family and you have all of these things pulling you different directions. And so I love that on the book page, you can work that out. You can make it Mm -hmm. fit. I can see how in real life that it is, it is tough. It is really hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In book one, it was Wade and Brisa's romance, The Doctor and the Matchmaker. And there's a lot of like matchmaking shenanigans, which I I think just make romances so (laughs) much fun. So did the matchmaking element of that book, was that something that came to you initially or how did that come about? It really did not. I, I write myself into corners 
a lot. And I don't know if that's because I'm not a plotter, but I get myself in trouble. And okay. the first book in that series is actually the one of her older sister, Raina and um, Sean. And mm -hmm. the their father built this Concord court to make her come home. She's an Air Force uh, pilot mm -hmm. and he doesn't want her. Uh, he wants her to retire and come home. So he basically builds this and tells her sh he'll do it if she'll run it. So he, he gets her to come home, but that's not what she wants. She wants to be a firefighter and she has a little sister who's that's Brisa. And um, I had Brisa doing these shenanigans with the uh, cat. She was catfishing people trying to get her <laughs> sister set up. And then I'm yeah. like, okay. And the next book is Brisa's and it's like, well, shoot. Yeah. <laughs> now I got to fix this. What, how do, how do I fix this? You know? And um, so, and I love it. I love how it works out because she turned in, in my mind, she was just kind of shallow, you know, she just wanted what she wanted. But the more I had to think about why someone would do that, why would she put her sister's profile up and pretend to be her? it turned into more of a uh, selfless thing. I love this person and I want them to be happy. And I think I know what, what it takes to make them happy. And um, so taking just that small turn, it was easy to make her view other people that way too. I think I know what will make them happy. So I'm going to do this for them. Now, is she right? No, <laughs> she's not right a lot of times, but it is a, it's not from a bad place. It's from a good place, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think when people make mistakes, understanding that it comes from a good place makes it easier to forgive them. And um, mm -hmm. so I, I had Brisa as this kind of shallow person, but then I thought, well, what would make someone act that way? Mm -hmm. And um, so turning it made it a little bit easier. And um, they're kind of that grumpy sunshine pairing. Cause she's very, yeah outgoing and energetic and he's kind of serious and to the point and that's pretty much my favorite thing so so let's talk about some writing or let's do some writing questions okay. uh, early bird or night owl what time of day do you feel the most productive with writing I always struggle with this because I I don't know if I have a productive time <laughs> <laughs> I I feel like it kicks in uh, the desperation kicks in about mid-afternoon. You know, I get up early in the morning and I think I'm going to do this. I'm, I'm alert. I'm going to do this. And then I don't do it. And then about two o'clock in the afternoon, I think, you know what? If you're going to do this, you better do it now. So I do, I, I, I probably better in the morning. I think I am more alert in the morning, but I will goof off 24 hours a day if I have a chance. So. <laughs> okay. I think you touched on this a little bit ago, but you said you're not really a plotter. So are you more of a pantser or do you feel like you're a combination of both? I think um, that has been probably one of the best benefits of working with traditional publishing like Harlequin, that you have to be able to tell them the story before you write it. And Maybe not word for word and maybe not even step by step, but you have to know the general outcome, what's going to happen before you start writing. And um, now sometimes that can take a turn that, you know, we're, we're not locked into it necessarily, but 
actually thinking it through does help me. And uh, so I, 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 in the beginning, I was very much a pantser. And that meant that I didn't finish many stories, honestly, because I would run out of a road. I, I would have nowhere else to go. And so that combination of thinking it through and knowing where I'm going to end up helps me. So I am probably a planter most of <laughs> all. So by necessity. If it's a project you've already been working on, do you reread over previous day's work before you begin? Yes, I do. It, it, it kind of depends. I, I try to write every day, but I don't. I work a day job, and when I have a bad day at work, I really have a hard time forcing myself to write as well. So the longer those days spread apart, the more I need to go back and see where I've ended up. Closer to the deadline, where it's write or die, I don't have to do much rereading because uh, it's very clear in my memory how far, how much farther I have to go. But um, when under normal circumstances, I do try to go back and, and that helps me flesh out. Like I said, I'll, I will write very short and then I'll come back and realize uh, we don't know where these people are, what what time of day it is, any of that. So it helps me give me a second pass to go through and kind of flesh that out so I get closer. Are there any necessities you need around you while you write? Diet Coke. <laughs> love it large quantities of diet coke <laughs> that has become a pretty popular yeah. response Sarah, yeah. I feel like <laughs> I don't drink coffee I try not to have food around because I'll just mindlessly mm-hmm. eat every bit of it but I generally have a diet coke somewhere near my keyboard so <laughs> Okay, so I'm a regular Coke drinker. I have to know, what is the big deal with Diet Coke? (laughs) I'm a vanilla Coke girl through and through. I think it's a a plot by the Coca-Cola company to... (laughs) The trick. Yes. So I'm going to age myself, but probably the very first... Okay, so actually, I'm going to go back even further. My dad worked for Coca-Cola. He was a Coke... um, and uh, so we never had any other product in the house <laughs> ever. That's right. That it is was right. never allowed. There was a Domino's around the corner that at the time you could take your little plastic cup and they would fill it up with Pepsi for 25 cents. Mm-hmm. And I could ride my bicycle around the corner and my mom <laughs> would give me a quarter and tell me not to tell anybody about it because there was a Pepsi <laughs> product but so coke was that's all we ever had and um but I don't know I was probably 15 14 15 16 when diet coke was really coming you know becoming a thing Mm -hmm. and that was I think that I don't know if it's the first diet I went on second I don't know I've had I've my whole life has been a struggle with food and diets Mm -hmm. but at that point it was like Give up your mellow yellows because that's what I drank was mellow yellow. Oh my god. Give it up and start throw back. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And so once I once I converted, I never went back. But I have a bad habit, you know. I'm a cherry coke fanatic and Mm -hmm. in Canada, so this is fun. In Canada, we didn't have it for years. It was you could not buy cherry coke up here. We used to travel down to the Carolinas at the end of August every year for vacation. 
and my dad and I would buy it by the case, like in the back of the van to drive it home because you couldn't get it here. And then suddenly they brought it out and I was so excited. And I went and I went, this tastes different. And Uh, it legitimately was different. I'm like, what the hell have they done when it crossed the border? Yes. (laughs) I was so disappointed. (laughs) I have had that experience. I... Uh, the international travel I have had is very li- limited, but I have actually been to Peru mm-hmm. and I've been in the Andes mountains and I have been in this shop that had, I mean, no electricity, no anything go into the shop and there's, di- there's a diet Coke bottle. I am not <laughs> kidding you. <laughs> and it was like the clouds parted, the sun <laughs> fell down and the God put diet the diet yeah. Coke yes. there for you. And it was a glass bottle of all things. You know, I bought it and I'm the, ooh, 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 and, you know, and open it. And it was like, oh, despair. <laughs> yep. Agony. This yep. is not right. Yep. <laughs> Close, we're it's like not right. We are like addicts, mm-hmm. yes. seriously. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Bad habit. Coke knows what they're doing. Yes, <laughs> they have me. You set daily writing goals. I do, and then I don't meet them most <laughs> of the time. So, yeah, I'm such a planner. I really am in my in my normal everyday life. My job, I plan things out, to do lists, and you know, calendars, and and schedules, and all of those things. And I'll I sign a contract, and I'll get my deadline, and I'll say, okay, I'm going to back it up, and we're going to set reasonable goals. Mm-hmm. And I'll back it up, back it up. Okay, I, this is this is the day I need to start writing, and I need to write fifteen hundred words a day. And then that day comes and it goes, and then the next one comes and it goes. Mm-hmm. And then I look up, and I'm a month away, and I've got to write, you know, three thousand words a day. And I make it happen, but I am miserable the whole time, and everyone around me is miserable also because <laughs> I like to spread it out, you know. But but yeah, I do set them, and. I just, I lack willpower, I think is my problem, but. But the work always gets done. It gets done. At the end of the day, that's what matters. Yeah, and every, every time I send it in, I think we're not going to do this again, Cheryl. You are not going to do this again. And then the next one rolls around and you're like, here Here we we are, are. we're doing this again. Exactly. It's like dealing with a teenager in my head all the time. Are there any specific programs that you use for your writing? I, I I write in Word, and I do all of my super fancy um, schedules and planning of how many words a day I'm going to write in Excel because I am an Excel nerd and love it so much. Oh, Sarah oh, loves preach. Excel. Yeah, <laughs> preach. Yeah, I, I really feel like we could take over the world just you know? with Excel because I love it so much. Yep. And. And it's so nice to see all of, you know, this reasonable work schedule that I'm mm-hmm. going to maintain and how I'm going to go back in and I'm going to plug in the, the, the words I actually wrote yep. and look at the, the feeling of satisfaction I'll get. And then three days before it, I have to turn the thing in. It's like, oh my gosh, my spreadsheet. I've destroyed my spreadsheet. <laughs> but really just basically word. Mm-hmm. Backless questions. Which book from your backlist do you remember make uh, do you remember making you laugh the most while writing? I've talked about how I go off on tangents and I think that Great God's book is probably the funniest thing I've written because <laughs> I really 
did some strange, funny things in that. So, uh, and it's, it. it's so my sense of humor. It's like, what would you have in a pawn shop? Well, this one has a stuffed bison whose name is, I don't even remember what I named it, but it was so funny to me. You know, it was like, oh yeah, that's hilarious. Who knows if anybody yeah. else thinks that's funny, but uh, I had a blast with it. So, Which book from your backlist was the toughest to write? Toughest. I did. I think probably those, the series, the Otter Lake series is probably one of the most emotional ones that I've written. And it's because it makes me think of my family, you know, my, my parents and they're, they're both gone. And it makes me think of times that we had together and one of the trips that when, so most of my life, we just went to the lake. But after I graduated high school, my dad took two trips and he went to the Smoky Mountains and because we had to drive, he wouldn't fly. So we had to drive whenever we went. And then the other time we went to Nashville, but, um, you know, it's, it's like, I'm imagining places in my mind and I'm imagining my parents in those places, you know, and mm-hmm. I don't know, it's just kind of, um, they're, they, you know, they're, when you lose someone, they're on your mind mm-hmm. quite frequently without uh, something uh, pulling them up. But while you're in this moment where you're thinking of all these familiar places, it's really, you know, it's kind of like they're there with you and, and which is sweet. And it's also sad at the same time. You know? it, it is. It's, it's yeah. a very bittersweet. Yeah. Is there a book in your backlist that you feel readers have reached out to you about the most? I get, <laughs> I get the, the feedback that I get is usually about the animals in my stories. <laughs> and there's always an animal, you know, about, uh, I do a lot with, I do most of the, a lot of the animals are rescue because I, it's kind of, you know, all of my, my dogs are rescues and that's, I, I really, I, it's kind of that second chance, um, and, and hopeful feeling again, when you're talking about rescue pets. And, um, I feel like that's probably the biggest connection that I get readers who Mm -hmm. interact with me on social media about their dog and my dog or Mm -hmm. their dog and something that they read or their dog and one of the, the dogs on one of my books, that kind of thing. And I love it because it's one of those things that you may not know this person, they're, they're perfectly, they're perfect strangers, mm-hmm. but you have something in common that connects you and that's that you're a fool for your dog, you know, and mm-hmm. I love that. I love that, that there's something that we're both passionate about is what connects us, you know? Yeah. One of my favorite covers is one of your lucky numbers books. And I think he's like a little beagle on and like, all, you can yeah. see the owners walking yes. him, but it's like, he's such the focus of the cover. I mm-hmm. love it. That is probably, if I have to name a favorite book of all of the books that I have written, that's probably one of, that's probably it. It's called uh, Keeping Cole's Promise. Mm-hmm. And yes. I love that book so much. When I, um, when I was in, when I had moved to a small town for a little bit and I, I wasn't working, I was trying to become a professional writer at the time. I started volunteering at a shelter because I lived out in the country and in the country, people will just dump dogs. I had a dog who actually hated this dog that had been dumped. So there was no way that I could keep him, but I wanted to make sure he 
he got a good home. And so I started volunteering with the Humane Society there. Had never heard of, I think it's called Pause, Pause to Prison. Anyway, they, they place rescue dogs in shelters with prisoners to be trained. And I think it's eight weeks and they, they put them through basic obedience training. And then these dogs are adopted out. Hmm. So it saves the dog. It helps the, the, you know, it gives the prisoner this, this job and, and, and a dog, which I mean, that's awesome. Mm -hmm. And so I, I really wanted to do something with that, but it's sort of like, how do you make a prisoner a romance hero? Yeah. And I thought, there's no way Harlequin is ever going to go for that. (laughs) Ever going to go for that. And I submitted some stories and they, you know, I think, I think Dana was my editor at the time. And she said, you know, these are just not, or might've been Catherine. I have a new editor now, but she said, you know, these, these don't, these don't work. And I said, well, what I'm really wanting to do is, you know, what I'm really caught up in is this idea of a, of a prisoner who's been who's served his sentence and now he's out and he needs a job and all he's all he can think of is he's been training these dogs and there's a there's a shelter that needs a a dog trainer and it was it's one of those where they won the lottery and um so it's a a lot about what are you going to do with your money you know are you going to give it all away you're going to buy the things you've never had are you going to travel all that kind of stuff the whole thing together is really me in a nutshell, it's mm-hmm. really, I really like the second chance stories. The fact that even if you've messed up, you can still be happy. You can still find someone to, to love you, even with all of these, these problems. Mm-hmm. And so I love that story. I love that cover. I mm-hmm. love, there are funny, funny animals in it. Yeah. So it's really just, it's down. Yeah. It's yeah. It's, I like that one. So is there a book in your backlist that you feel taught you something about yourself as a writer? I think they all do teach me some something about writing itself. But I do think that that Lucky Numbers series sort of made it clearer. I, every, some, some writers will talk about what their story is. And, there's, and it's a, this idea that um, there's something that's kind of central to us that is part of every story. Uh, sometimes it's uh, found family and sometimes it's uh, when I work through these stories, what I, the story that I find myself telling most often is that people deserve to be loved no matter, no matter what weird personality quirks they have, no matter what mistakes they've made in the past, that they deserve to be loved and they can find love. And that, that that um series you know i've got a mean girl who was really awful to the heroines and one of them won't even face her you know she'll she'll duck out of the room if she comes in and it's sort of like yeah she she wasn't great but why wasn't she great Mm -hmm. and who is she now and who does she want to be basically it's that question who does she want to be and so i you know that's the kind of story that I want to tell every single time is that there, there is love. There is love for you. There's love for me. We deserve it. So um, I think that's where I sort of, it sort of came clear to me that that's, that's what I'm writing every single time. So. 
Which book from your backlist has a character or a scene that comes across your mind the most? Comes across my mind the most. In the um, Rock and Rolla uh, hotel series, those are very vivid to me. I can still kind of see this hotel I've kind of dreamed up in my head. And, mm-hmm. um, and it might be because that was the first series that I worked on. But there's this um, one that take, there's a conversation that takes place in the lobby in the middle of the night. So it's dark and deserted and it's a hero, hero talking to the heroine. And of course the dog is there with the, the bows on her ears. Mm-hmm. And there, there is something about that quiet scene and that intimate scene where it's just the two of them that I can still see. And it's been, you know, so many years and some of the stories that I've written, I really would have to go back and read the book to understand but there's something about it that is so it's like watching the movie in my head that I can still see it mm-hmm, and that's yeah. probably because I knew the I felt like I knew those characters so well all right let's get into some round out questions right. what is one book you wish you could read again for the first time I you know I'm not a big rereader but okay so one of my favorite series that I love the most is um, the Jim Butcher uh, Harry Dresden series mm-hmm. and I remember okay. reading and which is paranormal and it's weird and all those things and, and I remember reading the very first book and at that point I think there were 10 more out already and he's got something like 25 planned and I had, I had read the first one and I remember being so excited that there were so many more books <laughs> And that is such a good feeling, you know, Mm -hmm. that feeling where you find someone new and you haven't read their backlist and the first one you pick up is perfect. Yeah. That is such a good feeling. I love that feeling that maybe not the book, but that's the feeling that I just, I live Mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. What's a romance you've read within the past few years that reminded you why you love the genre? Oh, that's a good question trying to think of some of my favorite romances recently I so it's when you're when you are writing romance and you read one of those romances that are so good man it is it is something to strive for and it also hurts your feelings so badly that you can't do that but I love historical romance and I I just I feel like Sarah McLean has not nice. written a bad book yet. I love all of her books. Mm-hmm. Um, the, oh, a, a contemporary that I absolutely loved was The Kiss Quotient, um, Helen Wong. And I've been waiting for this third book to come out for so I know. Long. <laughs> the Heart Principle. Yes. <laughs> I'm so excited. I can't even. When the heck is it releasing I already? <laughs> Next week. And I've, and I, you know, people have been talking about it and I decided to myself, if I, I, you know, I, I am perfectly happy in obscurity, but if I ever got famous enough that people would send me books early, <laughs> I would know I had made it because <laughs> that book and, and, Sarah McLean's got a book out right now too that I haven't read. And I, you know, it's like if if I ever get to be famous and I can say, Hey, can you send me that book? I will know I have made it. That will be it. <laughs> Who was your teenage celebrity crush? Oh my goodness. Okay, so <clears throat> I'm going to 
really confess my age at this point that we're all friends yes, here yes, there's no no, one will hear this. no age right. judgment no one will hear this right okay so i was in the new kids on the block wave <laughs> i i feel though i feel cheryl you and i are of a certain age because <laughs> so was i <laughs> They were my first concert. <laughs> oh, like hardcore yes. love for Jordan Knight. Oh, see, I love Joey. <laughs> yes. Yes, we all had our we had we had our we had our choices, but mm-hmm, yes, mm-hmm. I I would have I would have done anything Jordan Knight told me to do. Stand on my head, sing the national anthem, whatever. I was in love. Oh, love yeah. it. Yes. Even even before that, in between my crush on Almanza Wilder mm-hmm. uh, and and Jordan Knight, I was in love with. Okay, this is really going to be weird. Adrian Smed. Do you, do either mm-hmm. of you guys know who that is? No. Yeah. See, who that's it. This? He was the very first <laughs> fan letter that I ever wrote. Really? Because he was Johnny Nagarelli in Grease 2. And I had that movie. Oh, okay. Was he the the um the motorcycle guy mm. that with with Michelle Pfeiffer? No, well, he was the T-bird. With Michelle Pfeiffer. Mm. Oh, yeah. I pulled him up. Yes. Okay. Oh, I see. Ooh. <laughs> yes. I loved Grease 2. I mean, I liked Grease 1, but Grease 2 was so underrated. Yes. I was entirely <laughs> too young to be seeing reproduction, but I, and I could still sing every word of it, mm-hmm. but yes. <laughs> I love his hair. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, n- name one film you'll never stop watching. Um, oh, there's so many. The first one that comes to mind is, of course, Dirty Dancing, because yes. that is my certain age. Is Dirty yes. Dancing? Yes. Um, Sixteen Candles, mm-hmm. Breakfast Club. I mm. love those. Breakfast Club's my oh, favorite. Yes. I- Sixteen Candles is mine, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> I- <laughs> I, I just don't know what it was about the Breakfast Club, but I loved it. Yes. Yeah. I think I'm afraid it's one of those things that if we go back and watch with a real critical eye, that yeah. they don't hold up. But I don't do that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I yeah. refuse. To oh, that, I know. It's so. awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Jake Ryan was so much older in real life than Samantha uh-huh. was. And, and the whole thing I with mean, the don't... nerd and the, mm-hmm. and the, and the yes. girl with her hair caught in the door and everything. That was rough. That yeah. was mm-hmm. rough. And, the, yeah. and long duck gong, that is that is also <laughs> very bad. bad. Yeah. Certain. It's very, very bad. bad. Yeah. That that part where he she walks out of the church and he's sitting there with the car. Yes. Classic. I mean, classic. And he yes. waves at oh her and gosh. she looks behind her like, are you waving at yes. me? Like, yeah, you. That's what we watch it for. Yeah. We watch it for that scene. <laughs> so true. Romance perfection right there. Yep. Perfection right there. So yep. yeah. yeah. But if you love Dirty Dancing, I read a book this summer. It's a YA contemporary. It's called Sun Kiss by Cassie West. It's oh, a yeah? YA retelling of Dirty Dancing. Like an age appropriate, it is the most delightful story I've read all summer. If you're looking for something to pick up. Yep. Yep. Okay. I remember 
She's like reading me and messaging. She's like, I think this is. <laughs> and then I got to, there was actually a scene and something, something is said and the light bulb went off in my head and I went, oh my God, it is. <laughs> well, so I'm going to write that down. But so, so this is how romance reader I am. I always read, I mean, always believed in a happy ending for Breakfast Club and Dirty Dancing, that it was mm-hmm. all going to work out, that on Monday when they went back to school, they were all going to be friends, and yeah. Johnny and Baby were going to figure it out. And That's I, right. I, you know, I go and I read these, you know, very scholarly internet takes on them now, you see <laughs> that I'm in, you know, that not everyone agrees with me, and I'm just shocked and appalled that people don't see the, the correct romance ending for these. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Paul. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what is one hill you will wholeheartedly die on? There's probably a few. Uh, romances, <laughs> it's not a romance without a happy ending. It is mm-hmm. not a romance. I trust the label romance to give me a happy ending. That doesn't mean mm-hmm. it has to be yes. marriage. It doesn't mean it has to be babies and all those things. But I have to believe those people are together forever. And uh, Mm -hmm. people who want to say Nicholas Sparks is romance, I just want to argue. I just want to argue with them. And it's family members. You know, I want to tell them you're wrong. (laughs) You're just wrong about that. um, Yes. You know. I literally just had this conversation the other day with a friend who like, we were recording for, uh, she runs a Hallmark podcast and she's like, you mean to tell me like, she's like, look, Nicholas Sparks isn't romance. And she's like, he writes love stories. I was like, there's a difference between a love story and a romance. And And unfortunately, no. And there are authors that are considered that and they don't even consider themselves a romance author. Like, I don't think. No, I know Nicholas Sparks has come out and said, I'm not a romance writer. Right. Yeah. You know, like if the man says it, you can't argue with him. Right. (laughs) And they they usually are doing a scurry, you know, to get away from the romance title, you know, and it's like, let them go. They don't belong with us. It's fine. They're fine. They're doing fine without us, you know. (laughs) But yeah, I just. Well, we are with you on that deal, guns blazing. We need that. And some people, you know, I see authors who they they take the romance title, but they don't really seem to think much of romances. And Mm -hmm. I just, you know, the one thing I want to believe is when I pick up a romance book, that it is going to end the way it should. Yep. And if you mess with that, Mm -hmm. (laughs) I am going to be angry about it. I've been reading fantasy, um, YA Mm -hmm. stuff. Somebody recommended to me. And I have this compulsion that, when I start the first book of a series that I have to read the whole thing, whether I enjoy it or not, I can't stop. I, I, I might be hate reading by the end, but I have to, I have to know how the story ends. And I, you know, and it's a, and it's well-written and it's good, but they're huge books, first of all. And I just finished one in the series and I can't tell you why it was, why it was written. You know, nothing moved, nothing moved okay. in the story. Yeah. It was it was nice to see more of the world and, you know, your characters that you like are there. But at the end of the book, what's what's different? Time has moved, but that's all. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. really hard. You know, that's really yeah. I've spent a lot of time yeah. here and 
I'm not sure where, what I've gained for it. So I feel like that's another thing that's, that, to me, that feels more, fi- more literary fiction that you're, you know, exploring thoughts and you're, you know, exploring scenery and stuff like that, but you're not really, you, there's no plot that's moving the story. And yeah, so that's kind of important to me too. But yeah, the ending is critical, <laughs> critical. What is one of your favorite romance tropes to read? Enemies to lovers every mm-hmm. single time. I love it. <laughs> every single time. Mm-hmm. That is yes. a classic. That is a classic. Response. I mean, it is. It's, a, it's hard to do wrong. I really like enemies to lovers. You know, I used to really enjoy the, um, the, the powerful alpha, all, all of that kind of stuff. But I really, I, I, I still like enemies to lovers, but I'm really warming up to the friends to lovers too. Um, yep. I think the world has yeah. gotten so, so stressful and so difficult that sometimes it's nice to just see two people who respect each other, turn around and go, Hey, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This is a little bit mm-hmm. different than I thought it was too. You know? <laughs> yeah. So is there a category romance line that you wish never went away? Never went away. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see. I know you started with Love Swift, but <laughs> yeah, is and, that one or is there another um, one? I really do miss Love Swept a lot. Mm-hmm. I wish there I wish there were more paranormal lines available. Okay. You know, I I like I like paranormal and I I'm glad that what well, I'm glad for what we get, but um I think right now most of the paranormal that I see is kind of established series, you know, that, you know, that are doing well. There's nothing wrong with that, but your Christine yeah. hands and stuff yeah. like mm-hmm. that. Yeah. And, and, um, J.R. Ward, which it feels like she has a book every other month somehow. Yeah. <laughs> and, mm-hmm. and which I like her books, but they're, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, um, the, tr- the worlds are limited right now. I feel like, and, um, so, mm-hmm. but uh, I, I, I love swept was always my favorite line. And some of those, you know, from the days in the used bookstore, I remember combing the shelves looking for Sandra Brown yep. and um, Jane Ann Krentz and Nora Roberts, of course. And um, uh, still, I still, you know, Jane Ann Krentz, I would, I would sit next to her at her desk and read whatever she prints out, whatever pages she writes for the day, if, if we could work that out somehow. Yeah. Um, because I read every book, um, you know, Jane Ann Krentz, Amanda Quick, Jane Castle, mm-hmm. I'll read all of those. And um, I love those stories that the people who started uh, in category yep. and have stuck with romance this whole, this whole time and branched out and done done so many things i love that and i and i am super excited and hope for it for my friends too you know that we can love category but we can also do some of these projects that don't necessarily fit in line you know that that we just love to do yeah um yeah i'm excited to see that work out for for people too but yeah if jane and krentz needs someone to throw things in her trash can i will be happy <laughs> <laughs> to do that 
So if Jane Ann Krentz is in, in your circle, knitting yes. circle, you heard it here. <laughs> Cheryl Harper is yes. a fan. <laughs> now she liked one of my tweets about a dog one time and I nearly died. So Aww. yeah. I'm pretty sure we got closer that day. So <laughs> yeah. every little step counts. That's right. That's right. Tough love. What's been one of the toughest pieces of advice you've ever been given? I think probably the the hardest um, ex- advice exchange that I've, I've ha- I wrote a book and I knew it wasn't right when I when I mm-hmm. sent it into the editor I knew it wasn't but I couldn't figure out how to fix it and um, that was probably one of the hardest conversations that I've ever had was about being better at communicating um, what's happening um, because I'm very uh, self-sufficient and very um, committed to uh, meeting deadlines and being unproblematic and total perfectionist and all those things. And I, I've had really good luck with uh, drafts that I've seen in and feedback that I've gotten back. But that time I knew there was a problem with the book, but I could not figure out how to fix it. Mm-hmm. And I sent it to her. I met the deadline and everything, but she read it. And of course it had to be changed, which is not ever my problem. I'm so happy to make revisions that are the fun part to me, but it was this kind of communication breakdown. And so I have to be, that is something that I always have to be very aware of, make sure that, that I am communicating these things because there's, there's ways to fix things. If you know, in advance that, you lose when it's a surprise, you know? And um, so that's, you know, writing is very solitary most of the time. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's all on me. It's all under my control. Sometimes I need to be reminded that, that there are other people involved in the, in the process that need to be included. So that's hard for me. And, and it's something that I've have to learn over and over and over and over (laughs) so all right 15 years from now you're writing your memoir what is the title okay so as an adult I should probably come up with a better title but I used to have (laughs) this when I was in college um you know when you stay up in the middle of the night and you're writing papers with your roommate and you're uh, doing stupid stuff which is what we would do um we used to do all kinds of funny things and I came up with the title for my memoir at, you know, like 22. So it's super (laughs) good. Um, and I think, I think what it was, was I was going to call it, um, help my underwire makes my arm go numb. And that was (laughs) the funniest thing to us in the middle of the night. And I still remember it and I still, it still fits. I mean, it still works for me, but at, at 40 mumble years old, I probably ought to figure yeah. out something a little more, uh, I don't know, professional. I don't know. Maybe, maybe I should work on no, that. No, I love so, Brilliant. Yeah. Or I just, I should come up with yeah. a better title. Yeah. <laughs> love yeah. it. Uh. Knowing what you know now, what advice would you go back and tell yourself at the beginning of your writing career? Especially at the very beginning, my biggest problem was 
that I felt like every I had to do everything by myself. And Mm -hmm. that was so much pressure. You know, it's it's this dream that you have and you want it desperately and you don't know what the right thing to do is and you don't know where to go and you don't know um you really don't know what you don't know at that point and uh I put so much pressure on the right thing doing the right thing it's I'm only going to get this one chance I have to do Mm -hmm. this the right way and the truth is about writing is that you have to get one chance and then the next chance and then the next chance and then the next chance. You One chance is never going to make it for you. You can't, you can do what you can do. You can do the best you can do. But then you, you may not start at the beginning, but you start needing the next chance just like everybody else. Mm-hmm. And um, that you, that might be discouraging. I hope it's not discouraging to other people. What it tells me is that, there is never uh, an end, you know. If you get a no, if you get a rejection, if you if you send a bad book to an editor that makes you have this really tough phone call, and you think, "Oh gosh, I've ruined this forever," that's not mm-hmm. true. That's not true. You're not special. This happens to everyone. And what is required is that you look for the next chance, the next book that you can write better the next time that you can ask for help the next time that there's an open call that so you 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 got second place this time there's another open call try again maybe maybe this will be the time that works for you and I think that that is you know to me that's that's hopeful that's the reason Mm -hmm. to hope is that the only thing that stops me is me there will be another chance Mm -hmm. so so besides her holiday reunion, are you working on anything else that you're able to tell us about? Yeah. Um, also in October, I'm part of the uh, box set that's called Christmas Town Homecoming with... Okay. Yeah, I have it on pre-order. Was, okay. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Good. I'm glad. I'm, I'm excited about it. So that's the series that Melinda, Curtis, Anna, Stuart, and I think Carrie they started with Harlequin, but then we've um, kind of taken their town that they built for their series and have set, you know, I'm not sure five set box sets, six, I'm not sure how many box sets. I haven't done them all, but um, so they're all set in Christmas town, Maine. And um, a lot of them are Christmas stories. We've done other holidays, Valentine's day. I've done new Mm -hmm. year's, uh, there's Thanksgiving, they've done weddings. Um, this year, it's the 10-year reunion of the high school. And it's really cool. It's, it's all, they're all connected. They, they take place over two days and um, different events, different characters, but there's a, thing, uh, a thread that runs through them all. And you get to see characters that might have shown up in other Christmas Town box sets. And some of them are funny. And the, I think it was the one right before mine in the book is so emotional. And it's, I really, as a writer, I look at it and think, oh my gosh, I told a funny story in 7,000 words and they've got me crying <laughs> in 7,000 words, you know? Yeah. And so it's one of those, you know, yeah, I'm impressed, but I'm also, my feelings are hurt that I didn't do that too. <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it's really good and I enjoy it. 
and um, I, they all the heartwarming authors are excellent to work with, so it's always fun. And then I'll have another um, heartwarming book out in February. The one, so it's the, the next one after the Christmas book, and it <laughs> amazingly enough, it is also a high school reunion story set nice. in Miami. So okay. um, it was a lot of fun, and I'm working on the uh, last book in the uh, Veterans Road series. It is um, a a lawyer and a kind of charming uh, law student. And um, the, it's a little, it's enemies to lovers. I guess, I guess I just love enemies to lovers. So it's fun. They're always fun. Yeah. It's on yeah. a boat. I watch too much uh, below deck. Um, series, <laughs> so I had to do something on a boat. So and lastly, where can everyone find you online? But the, probably the, the easiest place is CherylHarperBooks.com. Um, that's going to have all of my social media, but I'm probably most often on Twitter, and that's Cheryl Harper Books, BKS. And um, I spend too much, way too much time on Twitter. But I, <laughs> I also have a Facebook page, and that's Cheryl Harper Romance. Uh, Instagram. I'm trying, I try to do them all, but I don't do them all well. So I'm even doing TikToks now, but I'm not talking about that yet. So. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, 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 might have, I might have exceeded the, the maximum age for TikTok. So I have to see how it works out. Good. <laughs> Well, thank you so much for your time and for chatting mm -hmm. with us today. This has just been so much fun and such an honor to get to know you. And oh my gosh, I mean, like get to know some you, a little bit more about author that we love. So for thank sure. you so much. And for listeners, make sure you check down in the show notes. As always, we will have all the places where you can keep up and follow Cheryl Harper. Definitely keep up with her. We will also have a link to where you can find her book. So do mm -hmm. that. Make sure you check the show notes. It'll all be down there. And yeah, again, Cheryl, thank you so much for chatting oh, with us today. Thank Please you. come this back. This has been a blast. I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm looking forward to finding out more about my favorites too. I'm a listener, so I love it. I appreciate it. <laughs> well, Sarah and I will chat with you guys in our next episode. Have a lovely day, everybody. And thank you for listening. Thank you.